We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. The names behind the numbers. The stories behind the names. This is the Her Hoop Stats Podcast with John Little. Very difficult. Just loved Tufts, loved the people there, my team, my players. And it really had to take a, a special place, um, a special environment for me to, to, to leave. And Princeton was just that. The biggest newsmakers, the best storytellers. The Her Hoop Stats Podcast. Here's your host, John Little. Welcome into the Her Hoop Stats Podcast. I'm your host, John Little. It's good to have you here. What a painfully tragic week in our country. And just like I've been telling you with coronavirus, um, how do I say this? The death of George Floyd, but more the anger surrounding it and trying to work through that anger. It is something that we as a country can be better for on the other side somehow. I just believe that. I believe that on the other end of all of this, there is going to be a better tomorrow. And yes, it takes each one of us doing our part, just like any other national tragedy. And this is a national tragedy that affects every single person in this country. And it is yet another, and like we needed another one, yet another wake-up call. And yes, until the problem of racism is eradicated, which I hope and pray we can do one day, there are going to be moments like this, and we've got to lean into them in some way rather than run away. And that's certainly a challenge for me during this time. I'm not a great orator on this subject, but just know it's my commitment personally to continuously get better at self-evaluating how I can be an ally everyone, no matter their race, no matter their background, no matter their age, their disability, whatever the case may be, 
it's my human responsibility to be an ally to all. And I'm going to keep self-evaluating as long as I've got on this earth. That's just something I wanted to say off the top. So thank you so much for sticking with me through that. I think the women's basketball community as a whole has done a really good job of trying to further the conversation uh, this week. And I'm confident that is going to continue. Carla Barubi is joining us this week. She is the head coach of the Princeton Tigers. Uh, we continue the Princeton theme after talking to Bella Allery a few weeks ago. And boy, it wasn't Bella awesome. That is episode number 79. So if you want to scroll back and listen to that one, it is well, well worth your time to listen to what Bella had to say. That was a great conversation. And in kind, this is an awesome one as well with her head coach for her final year in college. And we'll talk about a lot of things related to Bella off the top, but there's so much to talk about with Carla Barubi as well, because she was the head coach at Tufts University for 17 years. What are the challenges of leaving a team, even when you're going to a a team that has so much potential in Princeton, in leaving a team in Tufts after 17 years and making that leap from D3 to D1, And of course, we'll talk about, hey, UConn and what she learned from Gino Ariema as her head coach back in the 1990s when she was playing for the UConn Huskies. A lot to get in with Carla Barubi, the head coach of the Princeton Tigers. Coach, thank you so much for your time today. Really appreciate it. Yeah, my pleasure. Looking forward to it. Uh, I've been looking forward to it as well, and I'd be remiss if I didn't bring up our podcast that we had with Bella Allery just uh, a few weeks ago. Uh, just a pleasure to talk to her. What was it like to coach Bella Allery this this past season at Princeton? Unbelievable. Um, just a real pleasure to coach, but um, more importantly, just to, to get to know and to be around. Um, she's just uh, just really like a high character Um person, a great student, great athlete, great leader, um, you know, just loved having, um, her around learning from her. Um, you know, there was a lot for me to learn in my first year at, at Princeton and she really, you know, just helped out in the, in, in the transition. Um, and then, you know, just being able to, you know, watch her every day on the court and see the kind of, um, you know, the, the motor she has, um, the way that she, um, makes people around her better. Um, and, uh, yeah, the drive, um, you know, I just, I'm, I'm looking forward to, to watching her at the, at the next level and what she can, what she can do. It was really interesting to talk to her about that switch being flipped after she came back in her junior year after hurting her wrist. And I know that was before uh, you got there, but it, it sounds like when you got there, you saw a player obviously going into her senior year that was very, very determined and already knew exactly what she wanted and how she wanted to get there? Oh, absolutely. First and foremost, she really wanted to have the best senior year um, that she could. She and her her best friend, Taylor Bauer, were both senior captains. Um, She loves her team. Um, You know, she wanted to to make history with, with her teammates. And that was you know, that was the number one goal. And she knew that, you know, if chips fell the way they did, she'd also be in a really, you know, good position to, to be drafted into the, into the WNBA. Um, but she really, you know, worked, you know, extremely hard, um, from day one that I, you know, was able to, to, to coach her and be around her. And, um, 
and to see it just, you know, come to fruition at you know, at the, the draft night was, was, was pretty awesome. You mentioned the girls wanting it to be an historic year in 2019, 2020, you close the year on a 22 game winning streak, an excellent year by every measure you can possibly put out there and you were headed to the NCAA tournament and then things get cut short. How will you try to encourage the members of this year's team, you know, maybe down the line when you're talking to them about this season, have you thought about how you'll try to communicate with those players, how much they meant? Yeah. I mean, they, I don't even have to communicate. They, you know, they know um, what happened this season, how it, how it ended. And they are, you know, the returners are, are so incredibly, you know, hungry and determined to, to keep this, this ball rolling and to, you know, sort of play for, for Taylor and, and, and Bella and, um, you know, with their, their careers being, you know, cut short, they want to play for them. And I know that, um, you know, this summer, this spring, this summer, um, that's in the back of their mind, um, that the, the story wasn't, you know, that we never heard the finished, the finished, um, ending to the, to the story. And so, um, yeah, it's a brand new team, new freshmen coming on next year, but there's still a lot of just love and, and, you know, pride of this, this past season. Um, and I think it's, you know, just got them hungry to, to work really hard and to always play for, for Bella and Tay. You pride yourself so much on defense, and those are two of the better defensive players you had there in Taylor and Bella. And, it, you know, everybody says, you know, Bella, the best defensive player on the best defensive team. But at the same time, it felt like going into the draft, a lot of people were talking about her offensive game and her versatility there inside out. Yes, how could you not drool over that? But at the same time, what are the wings getting as a defensive piece for hopefully the next 10 years or so first and foremost she's just a really smart player like just a really high basketball iq um understands the game i'm sure a lot of that has you know has come from her dad and um and you know just throughout her career um you know playing with usa basketball and and you know being coached by um coach banghart um you know she's she's had some great coaches along along the way um so smart smart player on, on both ends of the floor. Um, you know, defensively, she's just, it's the same sort of versatility on the offensive end. She can play, um, you know, she can defend a, a, a guard. She can defend inside. Um, she defends, um, pick and rolls really, really well. I think that translates to the, to the WNBA game, um, where you see a lot of, 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 of pick and rolls, um, you know, cause she's, she's got quickness. She's got lateral quickness. She's got that great length and athleticism. Um, and then she, you know, she's long enough and, and she's getting stronger and stronger that, you know, she's not going to get pushed around in the post either. Um, and, um, great help defender, um, sees the play happening before it, it's, it's happened and, um, and just a great shot blocker with great timing. Um, also, you know, defense is such a, uh, you know, it, it, the rebounding piece of defense is, is so vital. And, um, you know, she just, you know, her length and the, the way she, she gets after boards, um, definitely, you know, translates. Um, so a great, great defensive, defensive player. Um, and I'm sure she's got still a lot to learn and, 
and I've I've known Coach Agler since he was a a coach with the Columbus Quest, and I played in the ABL, so I know how hard you know his his teams get after on the defensive end, and and she'll love playing for him. We're speaking with Carla Barubi. She is the head coach of the Princeton Tigers, and uh, just such a pleasure to talk to you, uh, Coach Barubi. Here as we sit. Uh, not even a year after you got the Princeton job, can you believe how much has changed in a year? <laughs> and, and you know, all of us, uh, you know, uh, in the world are like, yeah, uh, we've never lived through anything like this. But then, same time for you personally, uh, after spending 17 years in one spot, how do you reflect on the the last 11 months and and how your life and the life of your family has changed here? Yeah, a lot has gone on in the last 11 months. My wife and I, we had a baby three days after I got um, the job. Um, And then, yeah, had this amazing, you know, season. And then, yeah, what's happening now? So it's, it's, it's been a a whirlwind. Um, You know, the silver lining with with all this is that I'm, I'm able to be home um, with my three young kids and my wife and, um, you know, it's been it's been kind of a, a blessing, um, but you know, I couldn't be more proud and feel so fortunate to be at Princeton um, in this uh, just incredibly supportive environment and university with a great president and athletic director, and um, you know, I just I feel like we're we're really well taken care of. I know you've been asked this a million times, but in case nobody's ever heard you answer, how difficult is it to leave a place? where you've been there for 17 years, you know, it's in the general vicinity where you grew up as well. You build something uh, to such an extent. And how difficult was that to pull away from? Very, very difficult. Um, I, yeah, I'm like born and bred a Bostonian or, and, you know, um, just loved Tufts, loved the people there loved, you know, my, my team, my players. And, you know, we were, um, you know, right to, to win a national championship there. So it, you know, it, it really had to take a, a special, um, place, um, a special, um, environment for me to, to, to leave. Um, and Princeton was just that, um, you know, I, I certainly did my, my homework and, you know, made sure it, it was a, a great fit for, for my family, um, and myself and, um, you know, and reflecting after a year, even though it's been a crazy year, like I said, I, it, I couldn't be at a better spot. And I'm, I'm so glad that I, I did make this, um, this jump and, and, um, you know, I, I jumped in not knowing about my players really. And, and, um, you know, I knew, you know, how successful and talented they were on the court, but, um, just them, the, who they are off the court. Um, I've just been so, so lucky, um, to, to, to be around them every day, um, as well as my, my staff and reflecting back, I'm, I'm really happy to be, it sounds crazy be in New Jersey. <laughs> um, because when you're, when you're in Boston, you, you know, New Jersey's not really the place you're thinking of, but it's, it's Princeton and it's, it's just a fabulous place. And when you have a friend, a mentor, a cheerleader, a coach like Gino Ariema say, yeah, this is perfect. This is something you need to do. That can't, that's not something you can ignore, is it? You've never probably been able to ignore his voice as much as you'd like to. <laughs> no, no. In it, and I, you know, there's been some 
some other opportunities down, um, you know, the last few years. And, you know, when I, when I asked him about Princeton, um, he just jumped right away and said, I'm making, I'm making a phone call right now. And, um, so yeah, I, I absolutely, you know, whenever, you know, I need him, he's always there to, to help out and, um, give, you know, he's always giving his, his opinion (laughs) and, um, and yeah, he's been just a great mentor and, and, um, you know, friend and, and really helped out with, with this as well. Mm. What's the best advice that you ever got from him about coaching? You know, I, I think that it's not specific like words from, from him, but just every, you know, things that stuck with me over the, the years. And I, um, you know, it's all about communication and, and relationships and, um, he, he and CD both do an incredible job of being great communicators with their, with their players, um, just cultivating the relationships on the, the team, um, and getting their players, um, to play at their very highest level. Um, you know, you really trust, you trust him and, you know, because you feel like he trusts you and, um, you know, I've, since day one at, you know, at, at UConn, I've always, you know, felt that way and still feel that way. And, um, you know, I, I certainly have, have brought that to, to my teams. And I think it's a a big piece of why, um, you know, I've been, been successful. Is it tough even with, and I know you recruit both at Tufts and at Princeton, incredible young women who you would probably trust with your life, but at the same time, they're 18 year olds at that time. And, you know, whether it be you or Gino or whoever, whatever great coach, is it is it sometimes tough to force yourself to trust somebody that young? <laughs> yeah, but I, I think that that's that's what it's all about is is 18 year olds are 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 learning and, and maturing. And, you know, it's not easy. Um, it's not always pleasant, just the, the level of um, expectations. Um, but. But once you are giving it all, you know, to the team on the court, off the court, and really just just give everything you have, then, you know, that that trust is is built. It, you know, it certainly doesn't happen day one, but it does take some some time. Um, you know, it's, you know, sometimes it it happens easier with some than than others, but it's got to sort of happen, you know, organically, and and it can't be it can't be rushed and pushed, but. Um, but once the, you know, head coach and, and player have that mutual trust, then, um, you know, great things can, can happen. It sounds like you're saying it's pretty impossible to have uh, a great team, a, a great coach, you know, without, without having that trust. But if you were to, you know, uh, give a, a coaching talk today, you're getting in front of a, a group on Zoom, like, like we have to do everything these days, and uh, <laughs> you know, to a group of coaches that is having trust issues, what, what's the one place you would start to help them start building that trust with their players? Yeah, I think you need to be, I think you need to be honest and transparent. You need to you know, get to know your, your players, um, on a, you know, on a personal basis, like get to know their, um, their, their goals, their, your, their likes and, and, um, and yeah, you can't be, you can't be fake. You really need to, um, you just put yourself out there and take the time to, to get to know, um, you know, your, your players. Um, I think it, you know, I, I, 
you know, at the end of the day, you're going to, you're going to feel so much better about them and, and, and enjoy the, the, both the lows and the highs with them so much more when, when you really know them, um, and you know what makes them tick and you know what, um, you know, just help them through, um, I think the, the, the tough times and also the, the great times. So I think, I think just getting to, to know them and being, being, you know, upfront and, and honest. You were a part of one of the greatest teams of all time, 1995 national championship team, 35 and 0 before you graduated in 97 from UConn. So you've seen a really good period of women's basketball. Sometimes I just get a little nostalgic and just uh, want to know, you know, <laughs> what we can do better. In 1995, what were we doing well as far as recognizing women's basketball? How far have we come? Where were we? Where are we? And where do we need to be? Yeah, um, we've come so far from from that era. Um, it was amazing at that time, though, because before sort of 95, you know, I, I don't feel like women's basketball was really on the map at all. And then with, you know, with our 95 team and, you know, the 96, you know, Olympic team, all of a sudden, like, I think women's basketball took a really big leap and the ABL was there and the sort of the, the start of the, the w, WNBA. Um, it was a pretty amazing time. Um, I was, you know, heading into, you know, playing professionally at that time and it was very, very, you know, exciting. And then over the years, I, you know, I think that, um, you know, I think the WNBA had a, had a good product, um, a decent product. Um, now it's just, it's come so far. It's incredible basketball. You know, I don't get to watch a ton of it in the summer, but I certainly last summer did a lot more because it was just so much talent on that floor. Two great coaches going uh, against each other and, um, teams and with Washington and, and Connecticut, um, just great, great basketball. Yeah. And then with the collective bargaining agreement and, you know, now they're getting paid more and having more benefits. Can it be? Can it be better? Absolutely. Um, if we, if women's basketball keeps putting such a great product on the, on the floor, um, and in the community, I think, um, you know, hopefully it'll just keep, you know, getting better and better. Um, but, but, you know, women's basketball has come, you know, just so far and it's, you know, it's just amazing to see how many more girls are in the stands watching, you know, college basketball and, you know, being, uh, you know, having role models and, and heroes and um, as as women's basketball players, um, you know, back when I was a kid, it was Larry Bird. You know, what kind of <laughs> hero is that? But um, that's all I had to look forward to and um, or look to. And um, and now we have um, just incredible product and and just really strong women, um, really dedicated women. And uh, yeah, there's so much to, to look forward to. And you're exactly right. That 1995 team. I was 13 at the time, and I live in Dallas, so I was all Cowboys obsessed and, and all that sort of thing. But I, I told Rebe mm -hmm. Rebecca Lobo a couple months ago, or like last month, you are the first women's basketball player I remember. I, I mean, it's it's seriously the case. And so that 1995 team, you guys are the first women's basketball team that I really remember that came to my consciousness. So I, I just think that's really cool. And, and it's great to be able to talk to you and, and, and Rebecca as well and kind of reflect now um, 25 years later on, you know, where things are and, and how things continue to, to step forward. It's it's just really, really neat. So thanks for yeah, letting me. I'm, 
geek out for yeah, a moment. I mean, <laughs> sure. I mean, Rebecca was such a great ambassador for, for women's basketball and, and UConn basketball. And I mean, she still is to this day. It's, it's awesome to, to listen to her and, and watch her, um, both in the, the college game and the WNBA. And she has just so much knowledge of the game and, 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 and passion too. So, um, yeah, we were, we had the best leader we could ever think of, you know, in 1995 to, to represent us. And, um, and she still does that to this day. So, um, she's still a, a very good friend. So she's, she's been amazing. Carla Ruby is with us. Uh, she has defense. She will travel. And uh, she <laughs> <laughs> built Tufts University on some great defense. And I, I loved what you had to say there about Tufts is, yeah, we got uh, we rolled the ball out on November 1st. So we better, you know, be able to uh, defend first. The offense will come a, a little bit later. Um, how much different is it at Princeton as far as how much more time you have uh, as compared to D3? And uh, will that ever change the way that that you run a preseason program? <laughs> um, I did it the same way this past fall. I because I wanted to make sure we knew how to to play defense in the way we wanted to play it right away. Um, so first few just practices, even workouts, we were working on our on our defense. Yeah, I just think that's that's got to be that's got to be our foundation and then we can build from there. And, and, you know, I think offense just, this just takes a little while, just chemistry wise, how it's going to flow. And, and you really need to, you can always, you know, go against your own teammates, but not until, you know, you, you, you're playing against, you know, a different opponent. Can you really see how the offense works? But the, defensively, I feel like you can always be prepared for, for anything, a um, a team really throws at you and, um, and yeah, and the team just bought in right away, excited to, to work. And, um, yeah, it, it, it ended up pretty, pretty well. I, you know, with one little, little slip up at, at Iowa, um, I think it was a, a sort of a, a blessing to, to have, to have lost there. Cause I think it, it really, um, just showed that we had a lot of work to do still. I mean, that was, that was in November. Um, and, uh, yeah, they, they did a, a great job in exposing us. And so we, yeah, we, we learned a lot and then, you know, went on our run from there, but, um, you know, we'll, I'll always, you know, make sure our defense is, is strong to, to start off the, the season. In coach speak, when you hear coaches speak about the other team, it's all, uh, 80% of the time they've got a good defense. They got a solid, they're solid on defense. They play, uh, the coach coaches really good defense, but 80% of the teams can't be really good at defense. So what makes, what takes it from a good defense to a great defense to a number one defense in the league? Uh, what are the things that the absolute must haves to have an incredible defense like you guys had at Princeton last year? The foundation is communication. I feel like it's the, the foundation of a lot of what our, our team is, um, it, you know, stands for. And, so it's great communication. Um, it is, you know, just playing really hard and playing, um, with a great toughness and, um, and just, you know, ha having your, your head, um, up and seeing everything that's, that's happening. Um, and I mean, you just, you got to get down and, and get after it. Um, it's not, I always say this, it's not really rocket science. What we, what we do, it's not, there's, it's not gimmicky. Um, it's just, uh, great communication with great, great toughness and just a willing to, to give it everything you have on that end at all times, whether we're in practice or, or in games. Um, 
and so that's that's really that's really it i you know i you know i think that with games i think preparation is is key um i think the team is always well prepared on on you know what our opponents like like to do and um and then it's about executing that that game plan and um you know our our team just did an amazing job with that and um you know they're they're smart you know and they're driven and um and once you're totally bought in then you're you're going to see a great a great product as far as the dedication to the off the court the education portion of it and I hesitate to you know to break up the two because you guys have that standard there at Princeton where you talk about education through athletics when they put it in that kind of context that you know education and athletics are truly grouped together like that how how much easier does that make it as a coach to facilitate that vision when right at first off the top the athletic director says this is what we do yeah i mean they they care they care about the the athletic experience you know um, they're not mutually exclusive, right? You, you can have both, you can have the best of, of both worlds. And it's, and it, you know, it's not, it's sort of at a, at a pinnacle. It's at the, at the top having, having both. Um, and yeah, I mean, just that, the education through athletics, that, that comes from our president down to our athletic director and to our, our coaches. And I mean, there's just so much to learn on the court. Um, you know, with, with your, with your teammates. Um, and, and it's an easy, you know, it's kind of an easy sell, you know, here is the greatest, um, you know, education, um, the best degree you can, you can get in this country. And then also, you know, play a really high level of, of basketball. Um, it's, yeah, I mean, it's a, it's an amazing, amazing place, um, to, to work and to be and to represent, you know, every day. I know my my players are are, you know, they they love Princeton. Um, you know, they they play very hard and and together um for their their university and um and I know that they're learning as much on the court as they are in their classrooms and and they're being taught by, you know, world-renowned professors, but um but I love that, you know, that Princeton just believes in and you know that that the athletic experience is, is, you know, very important to their, their four year experience. And when you're casting that recruiting net for Princeton, I, I mean, there are a certain uh, number of people that are just, I don't want to say excluded, but they're just, uh, you know, they're, they're not in that mindset of education is at least as equally important as athletics. So how do you um, cast the the appropriate broad net to go find the players you need to get but at the same time so many of them weed themselves out how does that work it seems like a challenge but at the same time it seems like it the work's kind of done for you as well where you know this half of people it's it's not going to happen for them anyway yeah i mean and the other piece is that we don't have you know full athletic scholarships absolutely absolutely. (laughs) i I didn't even bring that up (laughs) so your you know your pool is you know just it's getting smaller and smaller but um but it you know it's it's princeton and you know i think that that you know the right student athletes are looking for this you know this experience um you know it's not for it's not for everyone um and you know it just takes us getting out and making a lot of phone calls to to AAU coaches and and programs um it's following up with every you know rec- you know potential recruit that that 
um, contacts us. Um, you know, it's just getting the, the word out. And, um, you know, I feel like we're always sort of in a conversation when you say, you know, I'm, you know, I'm from Princeton, you know, they're like, Oh, okay. That's, we know about Princeton. That's, that's a really great school. Um, and just, you know, and just talk about what, you know, what the, the expectations are and the, and the standards are and see if it's the, the right, the right fit. Um, but, uh, and like I said, I, I love being able to, to represent this, you know, amazing university and talk about, um, you know, what, what we have here, you know, it's, it's very, it's different. It's a different, um, it's a different world than, than a power five. And, um, but it's, it's a special place. And so, yeah, it's a, it's a smaller pool, but, um, it's a unique pool. And, and again, like I love coaching these driven, talented, you know, student athletes. So, um, just got to keep trying to, to find those and keep trying to enhance our, our program. And finally, coach, I've seen you say, Hey, I'm not a finished product as as a coach i I'm, I'm still a work in progress so to speak i can still get better where do you think that you can get better where do you work to get better and, and what's your mindset about that as as you move forward into year two at princeton yeah i mean i just i think there's so much more to learn there's so much about this game this game is is ever changing and um you know i'm competing against some of the best coaches you know in the world and so you know, I need to be just ready for, you know, what's, what's next. And it's offensively, it's end of game situations. It's, you know, defensively, what can, you know, what can I get, get better at? Um, and even just like leadership, how do we keep, you know, cultivating leaders and, you know, with, with social media and like everything is, is always, you know, it's ever changing. And so, you know, I think if you just sit back and not try to, to, to enhance yourself and, and get better, you're, you're doing a disservice to your, to your team, um, and your, and your program and your university. So always trying to just, you know, get better. Um, and you know, this, this is a good time to be doing that, you know, when, when we're not at, you know, at work or we're not on the road recruiting and you can, you know, just keep developing your, yourself. Well, coach, it's such a, uh, a great pleasure to be able to talk to you, to have talked to Bella a couple weeks ago, uh, to learn about uh, Princeton and then uh, the Ivy League as a whole. I love talking with Mike McLaughlin a few uh, months ago as well. Uh, I'd love uh, love to be able to come catch a game someday in person because I, I just think it's it's one of the coolest things ever. So thank you so much for yeah. taking the time and, and best of luck as you guys continue to build off what you just did. Yeah, my pleasure, John. Thanks for, thanks for having me. That is Carla Ruby, the head coach of the Princeton Tigers, really appreciate her time. She was just awesome. A note, uh, Madeline Kenny was on with the unplugged version of the podcast the middle of last week, and that is an awesome conversation. I am loving these Twitter live uh, Periscope conversations that uh, Aaron and Megan are having with different people in women's basketball. Madeline Kenny from the Chicago Sun-Times was their guest this past week, and they're going to have another one coming up this week as well. So be on the lookout for that, not only the live version of it, which you can watch on Twitter, but then also it will be out as a podcast shortly thereafter as well, and that one is going to be worth your time too. Remember, make sure to subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts. We're bringing out one or two new shows every week. That way you're alerted when they come out. 
and I'm really excited about some of the conversations we've got coming up here for you. You're going to like them a lot. You're going to want that notification. Also, if you're on Apple Podcast, make sure to rate and review the podcast. That always helps other people find the show. It means so much to us. And it means so much to the other people that are going to listen to the show because you rated and reviewed. Thanks again. The executive producer of the Her Hoop Stats podcast is Aaron Barzilai. Susie Solis is our announcer. And Jared Deck with JaredDeckMusic.com does our music. I'm John Little reminding you at the Her Hoop Stats podcast, we are unlocking better insight about the women's game. Her Hoop Stats. Her Hoop Stats.